Hello and welcome to The Late Tackle. My name is Dagan Martin. This week I'm going to be talking about the Six Nations again the second weekend and I also wanted to talk a little bit about rugby news and I'm also adding a new segment. I want to kick us off with that segment. So I want to discuss a huge problem that is happening in South Africa right now. The player drain. This is a really big issue and it's currently taking place within South African rugby. It is sad to see so many young, talented South Africans applying their trade outside of the country. And even more disheartening is the fact that the majority of the World Cup winning Springboks are either playing overseas or looking to make the move. I can understand because there is a huge financial incentive for them to take their talents to places such as Europe and Japan. But there needs to be an effort made to keep our young South African talents in the local clubs. South African rugby did make an attempt like this. In 2017, they attempted to plug the leak of the players by implementing a 30 cap rule. This meant that any player who's playing overseas has to have had 30 caps for the box in order to be picked for the squad. They were transparent with the fact that they did this to try to keep young players in the country, but it did not work at all. And fortunately, in 2019, the rule was removed. I personally don't know what can be done to slow the drain of players, but for Super Rugby's sake, I hope it happens soon. That was basically just a long segue and some context into a new segment I'm adding to the podcast, which is called A Safa Abroad. Each week I'm going to be highlighting a standout player who was born in South Africa, but is now playing overseas. Since I've been focusing on the Six Nations, I thought it would make sense to discuss a South African player who has been excelling for his adopted nation in the tournament. This being CJ Stander. Not only was he named the Six Nations Player of the Match twice in a row, he was also named Six Nations Player of Round 2, which is incredible when you look at the amount of talent on display. He plays for Ireland at number 8 and is a key player in their squad. He is an expert at slowing down the ball, which stifled the Welsh attack in his latest game. He also stole the ball three times, robbing possession from them. It is always amazing to me to see the amount of South African talent that is dominating the world of rugby, even when they aren't playing for South Africa. Stander's full name is Christian Johan Stander, which is a very Afrikaans name, which, if you don't know, is a language of South Africa that is similar to Dutch. He was born in a coastal town called Georgia, which is between Port Elizabeth and Cape Town. He was also schooled and went through university in South Africa, and this was where he developed his natural rugby talents. He then played for the Blue Bulls for a couple of years before moving to Munster. The crazy thing is that one of the reasons he made the move in 2012 was that he was told he was too small to play international rugby in South Africa. Whoever told him that is probably eating his words now, as South Africa has lost out on an immense talent. After starring at Munster, he was eligible to play for Ireland through residency, and ever since then, it appears he hasn't looked back. Fortunately, South Africa never seems to have a shortage of gigantic forwards to choose from. But if we want to keep the talent at home, you have to identify them and grow their talents, not tell them they are too small. Now on to some rugby news. The organisers of the Six Nations are looking into expanding the competition and are beginning to face some serious backlash at the idea. I can understand why they would want to increase the amount of teams, I can understand why they want to increase the amount of teams. There is a huge monetary incentive, but there are a lot of drawbacks. 
The proposal is that South Africa will become one of the teams introduced to the competition. This would then leave a space open in the rugby championship, which would possibly be filled by an incredibly worthy Japanese side or the exciting Fijians. I personally think that Japan deserves to be recognized as a top tier nation as they have been consistently punching above their supposed weight. Last year, they defeated both Ireland and Scotland in the World Cup and won the Pacific Nations Cup, which is no easy feat when you have to face the likes of Fiji, Samoa, and USA. For South Africa, one of the reasons they may want to join in the Six Nations is to be in a competition closer to their own time zone, opposed to travelling to New Zealand, Australia or Argentina, which offers huge amounts of jet lag to the players. However, there are drawbacks because the box would need to travel more frequently as there would be more games and the European teams would need to travel further than ever before if they were to play in South Africa. Another issue the current members of the Six Nations are concerned about is player fatigue, with added teams means more games, and would in some cases see some teams playing six weeks in a row, which is a definite risk to player safety. I would love to see the Springboks face off against the European powerhouses every year in the Six Nations, but I feel there's too much history in the rugby championship, and it is still a very competitive competition, so I think it would be sad to see South Africa leave. I think that for the development of other European nations, such as Spain and Georgia, it would be very beneficial to look to them to add to the Six Nations, possibly adding a relegation or promotion sort of system that rewards teams that are playing well and pushes the underperforming teams to improve, such as Italy, who have lost their 22nd successive Six Nations game in a row. Then, both Fiji and Japan can join the Rugby Championship creating a more exciting competition and adding in the huge fan base that Japan carry after their successful World Cup campaign. This competition can also take a relegation promotion format if any other teams begin to improve enough to challenge the top teams. In my opinion, the more international rugby teams are competitors on the world stage, the more growth rugby will have in general. And with these expanded competitions, there could be well-timed test matches between Southern and Northern Hemisphere teams that will bridge the gap between the nations. For example, instead of three matches against one team, such as when South Africa played England three matches in a row, South Africa could do a tour of Europe where they play three different European teams. I know that would be a lot of rugby for the teams to endure, and it is wishful thinking to think as a fan to have so many amazing fixtures, but with good management, I think it could be possible. Now let's go on to the recap of last weekend's rugby. So the Six Nations, my predictions were actually pretty good. I got two out of the three correct, which I'm actually happy with. I was worried for a little bit that I might be completely wrong. The first game of the weekend was actually the one where I faltered. Wales were defeated by Ireland going down 24-14. I was actually surprised at the ferocity that Ireland showed against Wales. The previous weekend it felt like Ireland were not firing on all cylinders yet, but after a week of fine tuning it seems like they are now in top form and they brushed aside the previously impressive Wales to secure an all important bonus point. At about 20 minutes into the game, Jordan Larmour broke through three tackles to cross the line for the first score of the match. Unfortunately, Johnny Sexton was unable to get the full seven points after missing his kick for Ireland. Seven minutes later, Wales scored a brilliant try when Alan Wayne Jones made a spectacular pass to Dan Bigger out of a tackle, who then repeated this to Thomas Williams, 
who for running a good support line was rewarded with a try however later a costly mistake by the try scorer williams gifted ireland the lead back when he dropped the ball deep in his 22 before he was able to clear his lines ireland after a few phases capitalized as church furlong bashed his way over the line the second half kicked off well for ireland as a monstrous maul resulting from a five meter line out pushed its way over the welsh try line josh van der Fleer being the irish player to emerge with the ball over the line looking to stay in the game the welsh were on the attack but unfortunately as hadley parks was reaching over the try line he lost the ball and the try wasn't awarded that was a massive let off for ireland and could have changed the outcome of the match andrew conway put the nail in the coffin and secured the all-important bonus point try by sprinting into the corner for ireland's fourth try too little too late but wales had the final say as justin tipperick scored after the final hooter had sound too many mistakes cost wales and ireland deserved the bonus point win my man of the match has to be cj stander with his tireless work at the breakdown slowing the welsh attack and stealing possession at crucial times the next game that was played was scotland versus england which the final score was 6-13 this was the worst weather conditions i've ever seen rugby played in storm kiara absolutely pummeled both teams and made the kicking in the game extremely difficult england scrum half willie hines who replaced out of form ben youngs kicked the ball out on the full three times in a row which is testament to the strong winds and england's stubbornness to change the game plan to adapt to the winds an important three points kicked over by owen farrell seemed like it may be the only points of the game when he had another shot on goal and the soaring winds pushed the ball away from the target however early in the second half adam hastings slotted a penalty from right in front for scotland bringing this tight encounter to a draw 60 minutes in george ford did a very clever chip that turned stuart hogg hogg then failed to gather the ball as he attempted to usher it over his try line almost leading to a try but to his relief he just managed to ground the ball before the chasing english players could pounce on it unfortunately his indecision led to a five meter scrum as he had carried it over his own line this then allowed the english to set up an attack that ellis genge capitalized on scoring the only try of the match one more penalty each and the game was over it was a very messy game in messy weather conditions and both teams should look to improve in their next games the final game of the weekend was france versus italy and wow was it a pleasure to watch france play at times roman intermac and antoine dupont are arguably the best nine ten pairing in international rugby at the moment their form is incredible but at times it seems like france want to throw the game away allowing a struggling italy to stay in a game that should have been easily won there were some improvements from italy and hopefully they will become a more competitive side in the future the final score was 35 22 with france securing a valuable bonus point intermark was key in france's first two tries first with a perfect grubber to set up teddy thomas and the second when he was stopped just short allowing captain charles olivon to pick up and dive over the corner of the try line it was then italy's turn to strike back with a pass along the ground out of the tackle setting up matteo minozzi to score their first try of the six nations competition so far just before half time dupont does a brilliant looping pass to put gregory eldred into the corner intermark then displays some more of his class in the second half as he sells the dummy and snaps to score near the posts 
After sustained pressure, Italy get a try back as Federico Zani stretches and places the ball on the padding of the base of the post. Baptiste Serin then, after only just coming on, scored the decisive blow for France with an amazing individual try, where he defeated numerous defenders and gathered his own kick chase. Again, this shows how up and down France is. They allowed Italy to get the final say and score in 80 minutes through a try from Mattia Bellini. France were the clear winners of the game, but through poor defence allowed an admittedly improved Italy to stay in the game. My own man of the match has to be Intermark, again, because he had a hand in a lot of the tries and scored a brilliant individual one too. After the second week, only France and Ireland are unbeaten and are leading the table followed by Wales, England, Scotland, and Italy in that order. For this week's games, I'm going to make what I can recognize as a crazy prediction. I believe that France has what it takes to beat Wales. I think Scotland will narrowly beat a slightly improving Italy, and Ireland will beat a struggling England. This has been The Late Tackle. Thank you for listening. Bye.